0: hey everybody it's michael martin thanks for being here today so i got an email from somebody who's probably on the management side you know kind of owner operator runs a desk and they're talking about you know the difficulties in hiring people because every new retail trader wants to go pro and so one of the first places they try to do is send uh you know they send their resume and whatever over to you know some of these prop desks and um you know because they're looking for an allocation they don't have money they don't know how to get money they know they have some money and that they've traded well with it but it's not necessarily scalable for where they are so the you know the, the the newbies are trying to get size so that they can make more money and you know the desk managers have a lot of moving parts um you know um so the question was in and around like trying to help you know hire people you know and, and giving them a shot but also doing what's rest doing what's best for the the company and also the existing culture right and so this is this is a challenging question it's hard to answer in 5 or 10 minutes so i just want to say you know ahead of time that this is not an exhaustive you know solution by any stretch of the imagination i think so much of you know working with people who i don't want to call them high performance because it's when you're in the business it's just performance right high performance is marketing bullshit basically but you know, because for people who, for trading, is their normal everyday life, it's performance, right? So so calling it something other than that is looking like you're trying to impress people. So when you find other performers, then the question is, you know, some people can't actually handle more money. You know, you've read stories where people were good running 10 million, but the minute they ran that up to 30, 40 million dollars, their monthly whipsaws, both up and down, went up on an order of magnitude that was, say, more geometric, right? It wasn't proportional, and so sometimes people can get spooked, even high, you know, performers who are on a desk because they're dealing with bigger numbers, and they might be thinking of the number more than the percentage, right? So I, that's this is not that type of coaching call. This is more like, hey. So what they do is they say, look, I'm going to start with a baseline of 10 million and I'm going to go working from there. And that's what I'm going to reset to because that's my comfort zone. So, you know, if you have to grow that person into a new comfort zone, that's a different call. So then you have to say to yourself, okay, can they handle size? How, How can they demonstrate that when even like paper trading doesn't really tag into all the emotions that they would be feeling, even though, you know, maybe getting employed has something to do with how they can Simulate or paper trade bigger accounts. I think the results on that are mixed, to be frank. I haven't found any kind of positive serial correlation that someone can paper trade a $20 million line and then go actually do it. For everyone that does it, there's probably more that still can't. So I don't think it's indicative, to be frank. So if you're thinking about developing that as a tool, you know, measure eight times and cut once. I would not make a gigantic capital allocation into that. The best thing to do is to find people who have a threat of discontent where they are and they want to move over. You know what I mean? Maybe there's been personnel changes. There's been a manager change. Maybe there was a couple of bad hires. Which leads me to my next point is that, you know, when you have a culture on your desk that's working and everyone's getting along and there's no peacocking and there's no assholes, basically, just pardon my language, but I think there's no other way to say that. You run the risk of destroying a good thing if you bring somebody in who's not going to fit in culturally with what you have even if they have really 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 good numbers you know the 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 price that you end up paying is is it's not worth it and i think that was really the heart of the question i was kind of reading between the lines is how do you know the honest answer for me is i i follow my gut if i have a sense that this person's not going to fit in or that they they're giving me their sunday best right now but i know that they're going to turn into a uh, Mr. Hyde, in two or three weeks, once they find a new comfort zone at this company, then it's not a good fit. You could also obviously, you know, look at their social media accounts. What's the kind of stuff that they publish out there? What do you think that tells them or tells you about them? Um, I don't know the, all the HR as to what you can ask about and what you can't. So I don't want to go there. But you can infer quite a bit by looking at how people behave when they think no one else is looking. So that would include their Twitter, their Instagram, maybe, you know, their stock twits, whatever they're publicly publicly putting out there, you know, obviously, they might be acting with or without a filter. So you can see for yourself, you know, you know, you might be smarter at this than I am. Uh, these are just the things that I, you know, that I consult to when, when people reach out for this type of help. Um, I think... If you generally like the person, there's probably a way to make it fit if the performance numbers are in line with what you're looking for. Um, I have found it very difficult, though, that if a guy is an a-hole or if his trading style doesn't match, leopards don't change their spots, to use the cliche, and so to try to get them to do things your way if they're not already doing them, it's, it's, um, it's a stretch. Because so much of this is emotional and psychological. So then you kind of have to say, well, do you bring them on board um, for a couple of months to see if you can help? I don't want to say ramp them up because if they're already doing something that's working, you really don't want to change that, right? You wouldn't want to tell Jean-Michel Basquiat to start painting like Picasso because Pablo already did it, you see? So everyone has their own signature style already. And normally, if they're moving, it's because of an environmental change that is no longer working for them. Um, Now, in COVID, that might mean constantly or having to work remotely ongoing. Some people are more gregarious. Other folks are more, you know, quiet or introverted or like to work by themselves. I've seen all shapes and sizes. Um, I've seen a hybrid model where folks can work from a remote location for You know, one week on, one week off or Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of a thing. You know, it all depends on what they would need to be in the office for. If you have like a ranking system where someone's kind of like a, I don't know what a junior trader is. Junior trader doesn't necessarily mean that they're junior. It just might mean that there's a length of service of less than six months or two years or whatever. Or it might be a function of their capital and what they would need to do to prove in terms of consistency. In order to scale up to the next tier up, for example, um, two. It also depends on like what you think your holding period is. Do you want to impose? You know, if you're if this company is a day trading firm and they don't take risk home overnight, but this person's a swing trader, you know, you're clipping their wings for no particular reason, you know, and you wouldn't want to ask. You know, again, you don't want to ask somebody like Jean-Michel Basquiat to try to be another painter when they're already doing something very, very well. So I wouldn't get into asking them to change their behavior because it's their behavior that got them where they are, which is successful enough to be talking to you in the first place. In the end, though, what I have found is that, you know, probably upwards of two-thirds to 75% of the time, the reason why it doesn't work out is mostly cultural and interpersonal, right? Right. Someone has, you know, they're kind of full of themselves, but yet they have really, really good numbers. Of course, they tone it down and they seem all amiable and easy to get along with during the interview process. But once they come on board, uh, things start to change. And that is when you put yourself in a tough spot. So again, for those of you that are in the retail space looking to try to scale up, I mean, you're in a tough spot. And I don't want to start talking about what prop trading is and what it's not because there's a lot of it that's really brokerage that looks like or is masquerading as prop trading. So that that's a whole other conversation. But ultimately, you know, I think you have to definitely measure eight times and cut once to borrow the old expression of the carpenter. Right? The carpenter measures twice and cuts once because um, you can't kind of put the wood back together, so to speak. So likewise, you know, I think it's very very difficult. Normally, what people do is they have a very long and lengthy interview process, and I don't mean a one, six hour interview. It's usually several interviews over days and weeks or perhaps months. If you're in an investment advisory firm, you know, it's not so much creating the alpha as it is normally about having relationships, right? So that's a different type of a deal. I'll probably cover that in tomorrow's episode or something like that uh, because a very different beast altogether. But there's very, there's similar things that need to work out in order for it to be a good long-term fit. Because don't forget, every time you take somebody on, you know, you always have the liability with that. So I think having a very clean compliance history is probably the first step. Um, There's certainly things that can be explained away. But if you have, you know, several instances of things at each and every firm, it's probably not the firm that's the problem. It's the individual, right? So anyway, it's, uh, it's one thing to be able to make money in the markets. It's a whole other ball of wax to do it with larger sums of cash. And then it's also you know, challenging to do it under certain types of management regimes. So knowing how you behave from a management standpoint and really knowing yourself is key because what people think and feel as managers or desk managers can oftentimes be very, very different from what the experience is from the people who actually work on the desk. You know, if you have a big enough organization, you could also ask people anonymously to kind of fill in, you know, fill in the form, give us, teach us about our, you know, how we are treating you, are we meeting your needs, you know, and you can hire third-party firms to do all those types of things for you so it seems a little bit safer, right? And you get some really good kind of voice of the client feedback that can help everybody grow because if it's not your intention to grow, you're not growing, you're stagnating. Um, so that's it it should be uphill you not and i don't mean an uphill battle it should, you can still go uphill with ease but you know it's something that you need to study anyway thank you for being here i always appreciate your feedback and your insights because i get to learn too and uh, i'll see you tomorrow